Hello, I'm Ruth Blakely. And I'm Caroline Schwabi. And you are listening to Experience Wine. Now, we're going to be honest about this. This is a little weird, isn't it, Caroline? It's a little weird. <laughs> so we are recording this podcast in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, which means that we are doing it virtually. Um, so we're not in the same place. And so everything is a little weird right now. Absolutely everything. However, one of the things that we can still do is share some laughs and share some wine, in this case, virtually, because I managed to drop off a couple of bottles from a very safe social distance to Andreas oh, and yeah. Caroline. I'm going to just leave these on the porch and away we go. Um, and today, one of the areas that, that I want to focus on, or the area that we're focusing on today, is Spain, because Spain has been re hit really hard by the pandemic. And um, we're even having some issues at the wine store getting our shipments from Spain. As you can imagine, um, that country is really suffering. But for hundreds and hundreds of years, Spain has made beautiful, beautiful wine. So in addition to sipping along with us, so if you have some Spanish wine at home, grab your glass. If you don't and you have some other wine at home, grab a glass, assuming it's safe and appropriate to do so, and uh, join us on this little trip to Spain. And maybe after the podcast, or maybe you can listen and look at Google Earth in the same time, maybe maybe take a little Google Earth tour of Spain. And, um, and our thoughts are with them. So the Google Earth tour is a great idea because we, we are so fortunate that at least uh, we do have all this wonderful technology that we can stay connected with one another, even when we can't be physically present. So when I say Spanish wine, Caroline, what do you think of? What springs to your mind? Actually, I think about Rioja, and while I haven't tried too, too many of them, uh, I do really enjoy it. It's a nice, um, almost comforting uh, red, and uh, that's, I, I don't have too, too much to say because I, my experience is limited, but I'm always eager to learn, so that's why we're here today. And when people think of Rioja, which produces a ridiculous amount of wine, 250 million liters per year, which is, depending on the year, either the most wine production in the world or very close to the top of the wine production in the world. That's incredible. It's a huge amount of wine, but wine is part of everyday life in Spain. Um, more, yeah, Rioja is, again, you know, a, a major producer of wine. And of the wine in Rioja, 90% is red, usually Tempranillo and Grenache. Um, and with varying percentages of, and this is often what people will think of when they think of Rioja. I gotta, t I gotta, I gotta make a confession. Until I read my show notes, I thought Rioja was the grape variety. <laughs> I'm so sorry to be so ignorant, but that's the truth of it. You are honest, and Rioja is just a region, and it is divided into subregions as well. Um, and the area of Rioja does a ton of work is in promoting their wines and they're really wonderful wines and they're often really good value wines um, you can get a really decent Rioja for 
in Canada, $20. I'm not going to do the conversion because the, the dollars and the pounds and that are all over the place. Um, but, uh, you know, you can get a decent Rioja easily for $20. You can get some spectacular wine from that region that would cost you hundreds of dollars and it will be as magnificent as anything that you would get from some of the, the, the great chateaus of France. Um, but today, because, you know, I like to be just a little different, <laughs> we are having a white Rioja. So fun. The, the one I tasted was definitely red, but I'm, I'm excited to try something a little different. This is, uh, this is going to be brand, brand spanking new for me. So people might have to look a little bit for a white Rioja. Again, you know, you're, you're looking at less than 10% of the production from the region, but some of them are just really wonderful and fresh. And for some of those beautiful Spanish tapas, like this wine is lovely with that. Mm. And with summer approaching, gosh, let's try a little bit white. So. Today's wine is from a family-run winery called Gomez Cruzado in Haro. And I'm going to, again, apologize for all my pronunciations, which are going to be terrible. Um, and this is from 2017. Um, it's Viora and Tempranillo Blanco. So we had talked about how... Uh, Many of the Riojas that we see are Tempranillo and Grenache, Garnacha blend. Um, Tempranillo Blanco, different grape, obviously. And this pre pre presents a really lovely kind of medium gold wine. Mm. And what do you smell when you stick your nose in that glass, mm -hmm. Caroline? You know, I'm, sm I'm smelling some acidity. It's making my mouth water a little bit. Do you smell that? I think I'm getting it. What you're reading is acidity. I think my nose is reading is a little bit of salinity. Like there is certainly a, a, a minerality to the nose. Right. That's a good way to describe it. I think you're right. I think you're correct. Um, it reminds me ever so slightly of the fragrance of a Riesling. Yes. I would say that it has that that minerality, that, that quality in it for sure. Yeah. The color's really beautiful. Uh, it, I would, it's sort of a medium, um, it's a little bit too dark in our studio right now, but yeah, like a, a, a medium lemon, almost, uh, does that mean, okay, yeah, yeah, very pretty. Let's try it. <laughs> I'm eager. My mouth is, my mouth is watering. <laughs> I also got some green apple off of the nose. Oh, yeah. So Caroline was talking about the acidity. And again, to figure out what the acidity is in your wine, this wine does not taste overly acidic, but wow, I am salivating like crazy. Are you as well? Yeah, I am. And there's something beautiful at the finish here. And I I, I can't quite peg it just yet. I, I always need to take a second sip. I, you know me. You know, the first sip is, is always just, I'm not sure what I'm getting, but I once I get a second sip... Um, it kind of presents itself a little differently. I'm not sure if that's, does your, do, do your taste buds just kind of have to need to wake up or? They're waking up. Yeah. Or maybe we just like to have that second and third sip because there is a bit of that. Because it's delicious. It is delicious. So um, I'm tasting that green apple and, um, wow, this is unlike 
I would say I it's a little bit different than any other whites that I've tried or a lot of other whites that I've tried. So I'm I'm kind of there's a nice balance between the acidity and the fruit. The fruit's not really sweet and yet I'm getting like a little piney butterscotch. <laughs> I would absolutely <laughs> concur. Right. So it's hard to think of butterscotch without sweet, but it, it I kind of get that. I get that. And it's it's almost like not the not quite burnt sugar, except that there's no sweetness to it. So it's it's really interesting. It's like an essence of that that butterscotch and that uh I wouldn't even go I wouldn't say vanilla at all. It doesn't taste vanilla. It tastes there's there's some an essence of sweetness without it tasting and feeling sweet um i love the finish i just love it and um i can imagine uh one of the things that you suggested in uh or that we that you talked about was uh that it might be good with paella or chicken right is that what you said yeah or sheep's cheese or right. it's got a, it's got a really interesting body we don't talk about body in white wine as often but it actually you know if you think about how bright and light say a pinot gris pinot grigio is in the mouth then and how thick and dense a riesling is this is this is more on the full full bodied side of white than than some of the other whites that you might see right and i would say without the the th thickness, like the viscosity, the the coating of the tongue, I, there is a little bit of that, but I there's still a really forward acidity, which I really, really, really like. I'm I'm enjoying this a lot. I I think that it might be even better with food. It's nice on its own, but I think it would actually complement, um, like you said, a paella, or um, well, just just about anything. Um, probably a cheese tray. I have I'd like to experiment with some cheese, uh, and and this wine. It, it's beautiful. Uh, Twenty. This is a 2017, which I'm not sure if I mentioned that. 2017 is was kind of a tough year in this uh, in in Rioja in that part of Spain um, because they had quite a late frost. Um, there was there was some really challenging weather again this spring in 2020, but it was earlier, and they're hoping that they can actually get past it. Um, and not have the the vines damaged but in 2017 the harvest was quite small because they had frost well into april which is very oh. unusual for them sure ruth have you been to spain i have never been to spain oh i was just curious because you i know you've been to a lot of beautiful wine growing places and i wondered whether maybe you had visited spain we we were talking about going but obviously that's going to be delayed and for my hubby Graham, I will say I have never been to Spain, but I kind of like the music. You can look that up later. <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> it, is, it is kind of fun. And then it, later in the year, it was quite hot and dry. So normally when it's a really hot and dry summer, you have a problem with acidity. Gomez Cruzado has done a really nice job of maintaining that acidity, despite the fact that they had a hot summer. And they said that they harvested this quite early as a way to keep some of that bright freshness, because I think that fresh, bright, bam, because it really hits you in the mouth. Um, right. I think that, that that's a tribute to their vineyard management and how they're actually um, handling the wine. 
We didn't talk at all, although we're supposed to, about the systematic approach to drinking wine. And we try to do this with all of our wines, which is the uh, approach that is used by Wine and Spirits Education Trust. And Caroline's been doing this for so long now that she actually just does it without even thinking, which is that <laughs> first we evaluate how the wine looks. Is it clear? Is it cloudy? Does it have bubbles? What color is it? Then we talk about how it smells. Is it floral? If floral, what flowers? If fruit, what fruit? If tertiary aromas like vanilla, which ones? Does that indicate, you know, uh, time in barrel or whatever? And then that's when you actually finally get to taste the darn wine. And it's at that point that you get all of those flavors and the uh, acidity that you might have. And um, the wine is then evaluated on how well it performs with, you know, is it uh, appropriate to style? Um, is it complex? What kind of finish does it have? And then you also have this kind of wow factor thing. So that's that's something that um, I think sometimes I tend to slide over a little bit. And you don't have to be really geeky about it when you're at home and drinking the wine. Just hold up the glass and take a look at it. Well, what does it look like? And and smell it. And what do you smell? And taste it. And, you know, are you salivating? Are you getting all of this full party in your mouth kind of event from the wine or is it light and a little more subtle but right it it you know i think it enhances the experience uh just to pause for that moment to look and and smell and swirl sometimes it's it's almost torturous when we're doing these podcasts because it takes it feels like it takes so long to get to the tasting part but and and meanwhile you've poured it so that the aromas are just hitting in the face sometimes, uh, but but it's well worth it. It really actually is just a, I mean, we're learning to slow down, aren't we? And uh, so this might be a nice time to spend that extra three seconds or five seconds or 10 seconds, because it doesn't take really much more than that to just take a look, give it a swirl, give it, stick your nose in the glass, take a big deep breath and and then Take a spill. And it's really the best hobby ever because you get to drink wine and pretend that you're educated all at the same time. <laughs> so you've got another one for us. I do have another one for us. And and because, you know, we don't do anything the normal way, um, we are going to a region that is not very well known, relatively speaking. And it's, and I'm not going to probably say this right, Bierzo. And it is in northwest Spain. So if you think about how Spain kind of wraps around Portugal on the Iberian Peninsula, then it's in that top um, west-north corner. And it is an area that is a little a little cooler and not quite as mountainous as Rioja. It's certainly not as well known as Rioja or Prirat or Ribeiro del Duero or some of the other areas. Um, but this wine from Godelia has really put the region on the map a little bit because this wine is a Mencia. Caroline, have you ever heard of Mencia? I have not. What's a Mencia? So how would you know? Nobody's ever heard of Mencia. And yet somehow this grape, which is 
not um, not certainly on everybody's wine vocabulary from this region that is not well known uh, from a relatively small producer, Godilia, managed to land their very affordable, beautiful red wine in the Wine Spectator's top 100 of the year. Whoa. So it's keeping very good company with wines that cost four times as much, ten times as much, because this little gem, depending on where you're buying it, is almost always under $40 Canadian. Um, in the States, the the going rate is about 25 bucks. So here's a wine that has that has gotten rave reviews from all of the critics. Let's smell it. Uh, to me, it looks quite rich, quite dark. Um, it looks like it's going to be filled with a berry flavor, but Sometimes you don't know what it's going to taste like until you get your your uh, nose in there and your your take a sip. So it's very quite dark and beautiful looking. And I wouldn't. It's really hard to tell from where I'm sitting what the color is actually like. Is it is it a little uh, a little purpley? <laughs> it it it's almost purple. It is so dark that it is almost purple. It's either dark ruby or purple, uh, depending on the light that you're looking at. It looks quite plush right to me right and rich yeah and it smells gorgeous so when you look at the color anybody that in the summer eats a lot of those dark purple bing cherries will yeah. see that color in the glass right and i'm i'm getting like a little bit of licorice on the nose well for sure there's licorice i've got like there's a ton of aromas here black cherry yeah plum licorice maybe some black currants it's i wouldn't i wouldn't um i'm not getting a lot of earthiness i'm getting more of the berries and uh like you know, you can always smell the acidity, and I like that because that's what makes your mouth water. <laughs> so I'm ready to sip. Are you? <laughs> yeah, I am ready to sip too. It's 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 very it. very fruit forward. Okay. So, what are you tasting? I'm gonna take another sip and let you know in a second. I will tell people that this is. Um, very much about the fruit, even though there are tannin, like you, you'll be able to detect the tannin, but it's very clearly not the dominant feature of this wine. To me, the fruit is very much the dominant feature. I, I agree 100%. I'm getting a little bit of tannin, but it's just, it's pleasant. It's not uh, right smacking in the face. It's just nice, like a, like a more of a tartness. Uh, so that you you do feel that that um, sensation that tannin uh, that effect in your mouth, but um, it's it's a pleasant thing. And um, again, I would imagine while this is just beautiful right now on its own, I can imagine enjoying it even more with food. So I'm also getting a nice finish. There's a bit of like a, a really slight bitterness and I'm not I'm not one to enjoy super fruity wine or pardon me sweet tasting wines so I like that I like that tiny little 
mm, edge at the end. Do do you know what I'm talking about, Ruth? I think that it's kind of like almost a leafy characteristic that you're getting with that, and it's and it's just and and I'm sure it's from the skin. So if people have never had an opportunity to have a uh, uh, to actually eat a wine grape they're quite different from table grapes where right. wine grapes are small they're incredibly sweet and the, the skin is often a lot thicker and so you kind of get that tannin and when I say tannin again that's that kind of almost drying effect that you have in your mouth and you get the same thing from from very well steeped black tea and and there is definitely some tannin here but I think it's beautifully balanced. It, yes, it is. It's uh, it's got loads of fruit, and I think that again there are a lot of things that you could eat this with. So, of course, mm -hmm. it's from Spain, so you know you might want to try some Iberico ham or something like that. But I would also think um, duck. Like this would be beautiful. Oh yeah, with duck. Um, you know, uh, pork of any kind, or if you have kind of, um, if you have a, a chicken dish, that's maybe you're doing a blackened chicken or a Cajun chicken. Sometimes that's a really tough pairing and often people will go to Pinot Noir. Uh, I think that this fruit would stand up really well to that. And this would be a nice choice, uh, for people doing some kind of food. That's got a little bit of spice to it because yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about, um, the paprika potatoes that are common with with tapas too because obviously we're talking about spanish wines and so i'm i'm thinking about those types of uh foods as well so um like anything with some some almost a smokiness to it because i think that that when i said bitter i think it it's probably like a tobacco uh flavor that I'm that I'm a sensation that I'm feeling more than tasting and it you're probably right it's that that tannin that's just um balancing it out really nicely I I like it a lot I don't I I'm getting the fruit for sure but I I'm finding a a really uh pronounced balance so that's both with the white and the red here that they're just so nicely even in terms of the fruit and then the acidity or in the case of of this red that we're drinking right now the tannin and the just the flavors of that it's really very very nice and i'm i'm impressed that this is only 40 bucks like it's actually wow. less than that it's usually a little bit less than that you like you shouldn't have to pay more than that and depending on where you're shopping neither of these wines are dead easy to find uh, depending on where you live so you might have to do a little hunting around um but they are i think worth a little bit of effort and certainly uh i've had other wines from godelia and other wines from gomez cruzado uh, gomez cruzado makes a beautiful um red rioja and uh i've been very consistently impressed with their with their efforts and and i think godelia's um Ozwine Spectator, uh, a little bit of a nod because I think the whole world has discovered um, this producer and this lovely Mencia, which is often just kind of a throwaway wine, and they've really made it into something special. And thank you for bringing it to us <laughs> and introducing it to us. So everybody go... 
take a take a little take a little uh, phone journey with your favorite wine or or uh, liquor store and see if you can find it in your area, um, and you know hop on Google Earth after this and go to to the north and find uh, Bierzo and go to the beautiful, stunning Rioja um, to find some beautiful mountains and rivers and really a spectacular looking area that once uh, travel has resumed again, hopefully we'll all be able to get to. That sounds wonderful. Thank you, Caroline, for joining us. Thanks to our producer, Andreas, who is now in addition to having to deal with Two crazy ladies is also dealing with some interesting <laughs> technological challenges. And uh, thanks for joining us. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening. 